welcome everybody to Liberation Lectionary, where each week we uh, excavate, we dig, we look for seeds of liberation uh, in the soil of the gospel uh, for the upcoming Sundays, uh, in the according to the Revised Common Lectionary. Um, we're glad that you've joined us today. My name is Jamie Edwards Acton. I am an Episcopal priest uh, in Los Angeles. And with me, as always, is my comrade. ¿Qué onda, mi gente? This is uh, Francisco Garcia, also an Episcopal priest. Um, Chicano transplant out here in Nashville, Tennessee. Missing LA. Although, what's the weather out there for you guys? Is it hot? Pretty good right now. It's like 80, you know? Oh, so. okay. It's not like the, Here's the key Pacific Northwest dry. right now. It's dry. So. The dry heat. Yeah, yeah. Dry heat. So. We're, we suffer from a little humidity over here. Yes. <laughs> but we also get rain, which is nice. That is nice. <laughs> and you get a few tornadoes, too. Ooh. Um, <laughs> this week, uh, we are looking, I believe, the seventh Sunday after Pentecost, if I've got that correct. Uh, for so. the And uh, the gospel is Mark uh, chapter 6, 14 through 29. And Francisco is going to read that for us. All right. Yeah, Mark always keeps it interesting for us. So here we have Mark 6. 14 through 29. King Herod heard of Jesus and his disciples, for Jesus' name had become known. Some were saying, John the baptizer has been raised from the dead, and for this reason these powers are at work in him. But others said, it is Elijah. And others said, it is a prophet, like one of the prophets of old. But when Herod heard of it, he said, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised. For Herod himself had sent men who arrested John, bound him and put him in prison on account of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because Herod had married her. For John had been telling Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. And Herodias had a grudge against him and wanted to kill him. But she could not, for Herod feared John, knowing that he was a righteous and holy man, and he protected him. But when he heard him, he was greatly perplexed, and yet he liked to listen to him. But an opportunity came when Herod on his birthday gave a banquet for his courtiers and officers and for the leaders of Galilee. When his daughter Herodias came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his guests. And the king said to the girl, ask me for whatever you wish and I will give it. And he solemnly swore to her, whatever you ask me, I will give you even half of my kingdom. She went out and said to her mother, what should I ask for? She replied, the head of John the baptizer. Immediately, she rushed back to the king and requested, I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist on a platter. The king was deeply grieved, yet out of regard for his oaths and for the guests, he did not want to refuse her. Immediately, the king sent a soldier of the guard with orders to bring John's head. He went and beheaded him in the prison, brought his head on a platter, and gave it to the girl. Then the girl gave it to her mother. When his disciples heard about it, they came and took his body and laid it in the t in a tomb. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you. Praise to you, kind of, maybe. Yeah. What? What's going on here? <laughs> wow. So, uh, Jamie, here we have. You know, this is this is not your uh, typical, you know, uh, children's Sunday school fair. Um, I'm not sure we teach this one, you know, to the littles, but I think that, um, you know, it's, it's in the lectionary for a reason. So I think it's like, we got the, the question for us is, you know, 
what's that reason? And, you know, something that comes to mind, you know, when, when in reading this is just clearly how Mark, you know, knew that everything about Jesus and what he did and what he stood for, the gospel itself was deeply political mm -hmm. and had consequences. And so this speaks to the, you know, the, the sort of the, the state violence that is enacted against Jesus and against obviously those who would sort of lay down the groundwork for Jesus, which, you know, is what John the Baptist did, right? right. He was sort of the one speaking ahead of Jesus and saying that the one who will come after me is, you know, is even greater, you know, and will, uh, you know, th th than I am. And, um, and so it's sort of like, it's the foreshadowing of, of what is to happen to Jesus for his prophetic ministry, um, you know, and it's kind of like the warning sign, you know, it's like, here's, you know, um, and even, you know, and we can get into this, obviously, Herod is, 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 is in, cast in a sympathetic light, at least as it relates to John the Baptist here. Um, but how even someone with his power and authority can succumb to the violence of the state, um, you know. And of course, it had to do with his uh, his uh, <laughs> infidelity to his brother, right? And, right. And, and all, you know, all the drama that gets caught up in that. So that's just what comes to mind. I'm sure we can unpack it further. Well, I totally agree with you, Francisco. Uh, you know, this is another example of how political uh, the gospel is. And this really actually make this passage makes me think um, about what's just going on right now in our country, right? With mm -hmm. the institutional powers that be. I'm thinking of like the Republican Party, not just the Republican Party, but I'm thinking Republicans in power and what happened on the 6th and kind of like this, you know, uh, like people just can't bring themselves, you know, to do the right thing, right? Because... Uh, because they're maintaining office, right? Maintaining their, their privilege and their power is worth anything else. That, that comes before anything else. Becomes, becomes before truth, comes before integrity, comes before uh, righteousness, doing you know, what is the just thing. Um, and here we have, so here we have this you know, interesting passage of um, you know, where this, uh, first there's this opening scene, right? Uh, about who they think John is, but then they talk about his death and stuff. And um, it's super interesting here because one thing I didn't know before, uh, just, I just kind of, uh, you know, noodled around looking on, tried to one understand this a little bit better, mm -hmm. but that um, King Herod, you know, that Her Herodias, I mean, King Herod, which we don't often hear of, uh, had a first wife, right? Okay, so he didn't just marry his brother's or brother, uh, stepbrother or whatever's wife, right, when he died. But, um, but he had a prior, he was married at the time. Mm -hmm. And he wasn't just married to anybody. He was married to an, an uh, Arabic princess. So the adjacent kingdom, right, the Nabataean kingdom, where you had King Aratas IV, right, mm. Uh, that was the king of that, the, the Eratos throne lasted for like 500 years, but he was from like 4 BCE to 40 uh, of the common era. 
And um, so right in this, you know, time when John the Baptist is around and stuff. But, but he was a threat, right? He was a threat to King Herod. And John the Baptist was a threat to King Herod, mm -hmm. right? And there was this uh, fear. You could sense this fear, right? Because here you have King Herod liking, uh, you have King Herod like liking John, it almost says, right? Like, he, yeah. Was about he liked what he had to say he saw he, him as a righteous and holy man and he yeah, liked to listen he liked to, to listen to him, right? he disturbed him in yeah. some way but that you know so that may have been king herod in his uh when he let his guard down for a moment but but king herod the politician mm -hmm. right knew that people were listening to what john had to say yeah right? and that he became this threat of like sedition of you know that revolution was underway and so he really had to snub, you know, he had to, uh, I mean, I think even before this party, uh, he was, you know, had his sights set on how he could quiet John the Baptist. And particularly because John the Baptist, because Herod was already catching heat from this king, Eratos, in the mm -hmm. next kingdom, mm -hmm. who wanted to kick his rear end because he dissed his daughter, who was mm -hmm. the princess, right, and married, you know, Herodias, uh, or Herod, Herodias, I like Who knows? to say that. Yeah, I don't um, know which one. I don't, tomato, tomato. I wasn't there. So, um, but um, so it makes it interesting that Herod is really trying to prevent this um, this pact from unfolding in his future uh, between John, sedition on the inside, and King Eratos, who's threatening from the outside. And the 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 irony is is that, and you can read this in Joseph's Antiquities, is that King Eratos joins forces with Rome and takes care of Herod anyways, after, mm -hmm. you know, after uh, another decade. So uh, he, he's done anyway. So, and people, people blame that loss of Herod, you know, they, uh, they mm -hmm. count it to his execution of John the Baptist, right? So there's all these connecting pieces that I had not known. Before. Yeah. Um, yeah. But which, so the, I guess the thing that makes me think about this and our situation now is that what is the priority like what's essential right you know it's like just to maintain uh here it's almost turned into like a a, a joke or a parody right that he mm -hmm. the the most important thing in this passage is to preserve this oath he probably made after yeah. 10 beers right with his uh daughter right Mm -hmm. and Salome and so he um and just to pre and just to preserve that oath and to save face in front of all these powerful yeah the courtiers and all these powerful kingdom people like all the people in the in the capital right that he's going to do not the right thing he's going to do the ridiculous thing yeah right and so because they take, he's the king because he's the king and he cuts off the head of the prophet which is the you know this honorable right the this person he likes he likes to hear he thinks is a righteous and only man he cut without thinking about it cuts off his head just to preserve this stupid oath he made to his daughter because she danced when everyone was drunk and mm -hmm. i get the sense that mark here and maybe stories that this is based on is like trying to show how ridiculous the absurdity of the absurdity of the powers yeah. that be mm -hmm. and how off course how off track yeah. they are from yeah. what is critical and essential. And John was about that, right? John was about what is essential and what's critical. And mm -hmm. even Herod could sense that, but that was too dangerous for him. 
Yeah, I mean, I think you're right on with that. And, you know, this passage, you know, I was reading in another commentary that, um, that, you know, it's, it's, Mark likes to do like the sandwich, right, in terms of his strategic placement of stories, right, like a few weeks ago, we had that situation, right, where the with the two daughters, yep. and, you know, the healing, and so like, you know, kind of sandwiches them together. And so here, this story is placed right in between um, some critical stuff, like right when um, Jesus sends um, his disciples off to their first mission, right? He deputizes them and sends them out to do the work. And then that's the bam, feet, that's the, yeah, yeah. exactly. Dust the sandals off your feet, right? Right, or, um, or wipe the two, dust off your feet, that's it. <laughs> two by two, Yeah. dust the sandals off your feet, that's hilarious. <laughs> so anyway, um, go two by two, right? Do right. that work. Um, and then boom, this passage shows up. And then they come back, right? And yeah. so it's sort of intentionally placed um, to, again, it's this foreshadowing. It's the absurdity of the political system. It's the oppressive force that, that Jesus and those who follow in his way are up against. And it's telling the tale of what is to happen later. Right. Yeah. I think, yeah, you're exactly right. This is, while they're being sent out on this mission, right, of Jesus, they're also being taught, right? They're, they, what they're doing is being contrasted with the powers that be, right? And how ridiculous it is, right? Yeah. At that how this this righteous person's life is is uh, you know at, at taken away because of just the ridiculous priorities of you know saving face and just you know Washington politics, stupid stuff that has nothing to do with real people. Well, it's ridiculous, and then it also then obviously has violent, yes. oppressive consequences. So I mean, we think yes, we can think about what's happening right now. Um, in yes, in our two-party system, obviously the Democrats are implicated in so much of the mess too. But we know that obviously, um, you know, the the right wing and the sort of the fundamentalist, you know, factions of of, of this country um, are using the Republican Party as sort of the the means to to stop progress, right? And right. so you know the. Um, the Senate, you know, can't pass a damn bill because filibuster, right? Um, and, you know, these kinds of things. And then Democrats don't have enough spine to, to you know, to fight tooth and nail to get mm -hmm. some real work done. And so who suffers? You know, the, the people, the most vulnerable, um, you know, the economically, socially vulnerable are, are the folks who suffer the most. Um, who are, whose heads roll in this system, you know? Um, metaphorically and, you know, obviously literally when people are dying. And um, so we could look at that and, you know, we could look at American history, we could look at history in other places, but I was thinking about, you know, things like Cointelpro, right? And Fred Hampton, uh, you know, Black Panther who um, was targeted and, you know, who was taken out by our political system um, about, you know, in, in, in El Salvador, um, We've talked about Oscar Romero here before, um, but you know, before Oscar Romero, there was Rutilio Grande, who was the Catholic priest that was, you know, committed to working at the grassroots level in the poorest communities, and you know, really sort of was doing important prophetic work, and was um, Oscar Romero's kind of inspiration, actually. Mm -hmm. um, and he was assassinated by the, you know, by the state police, um, and so you know targets right yeah. when you are doing the the work yeah i mean that's the i think there are real repercussions right i mean there's the you know john was killed 
And so uh, that's a real consequence, right, of this, this abuse of power. I think, though, <clears throat> that Mark, at least, if, can, if he can't stop that abuse of power physically, right, that violence physically, can you, can you steal out from under it uh, any truth or any, uh, you know, um, any sense of... Um, you know, integrity renewal. or yeah or anything that it claims to be based on right mm-hmm. so so that so in the end uh e- even though there are real consequences in the end we see herod as the emperor with no clothes right that there is no there there in terms of him trying to defend his agenda right mm-hmm. as someone who is has been raised up to protect the country, protect the people, you know, create opportunity, whatever in that circumstance. Um, and again, it just makes me think of today that rather than being preoccupied with how to do that, you know, uh, today, we, f- we see politicians usually of one stripe more than the other, that they're, what they're preoccupied with is just has nothing to do with people's lives. It has nothing yeah. to do with the injustices or struggles or day-to-day challenges that people are experiencing. Um, and, and, you know, like John's movement did, uh, like, you know, like the Panthers did, like the Black Panthers or like, you know, whatever movement that is more grassroots and, uh, you know, of the people, um, I think John is trying to uh, not just or Mark is trying to direct us not just to what John was doing and how Jesus will take over that work, but that to contrast it with the, just the absurdity, uh, yeah. you know, at another level. So. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and for folks who, if you're interested in, again, sort of the flow of the whole gospel of Mark, you know, take a look at it, take a look at the placement and what happens right after this. So right after this, the story continues in Jesus uh, it's the story of Jesus and the apostles and the feeding of the 5,000, you know, so you can see, um, obviously, the work continues and, and, and the disciples come back and, and they're, they're on their mission. Um, but there's something about how this story is placed right in the middle, you know, right there um, as a message. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's see, what else do I want to say about this today? This is... Um... I don't know. Are you speechless for the first time? (laughs) (laughs) I think I am, Francisco. I think I am. I mean, I I think that's the, you know, the main point is this. I I try to hide. I mean, we could read this on a personal level, too. Right. Um, And I'm sure most people do uh, read it on a personal level and how they in different life and their decisions and, you know, life decisions and stuff reflect kind of Herod and, you know, his vacillating and his uh his uh you know his fear you know of of doing the right thing right or of his silence right being silent when there is uh, an injustice happening right i mean we can can connect on all these more uh personal levels and stuff like that but you know i I like to I like to stay in the political that's i think it's a yeah i think it's a (laughs) political if we don't see how this is political i mean i just don't know what you're looking at i mean to be honest with you and it's but the the real challenge is is how do we you know that's the the what's the word it's like you know talking about politics right from the Mm -hmm. pulpit we know is not 
um, easy to do in every congregation. Right. Um, and I'm grateful that I feel pretty uh, comfortable preaching how I want to preach, you know, where I'm situated. And I'm sure you do too, Jamie, but I know that many of our colleagues do not have that same sort of, um, I guess, ability. So I guess maybe that's the question is like, in, in, for folks who sort of see clearly the political nature of the gospel and, and sort of the call of, of justice, but feel challenged by their, um, you know, congregational or, or ministerial setting, what, how do we help them? Like, what, what, how can they sort of like share the good news of liberation? Any thoughts on that? Well, I think, yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, I, like you, I feel uh, like I have ample space and permission to do that in my context, right? And am supported in that. And actually, I try to support the community. Since we do community preaching together, I try to support the, the community in doing that. But I've preached plenty of sermons in other contexts that are the, you know, complete opposite of that. Mm -hmm. um, I think what I usually try to do is I never try to preach at somebody mm -hmm. necessarily in that context, but I try to preach uh, as if we're all looking in the same direction and then try to hook it with an invitation, right? So, so people can place themselves wherever they want in my sermon mm -hmm. or in the story, right? Yeah. Uh, I will challenge them to take the risk to you know, maybe depending on my content, where I'm preaching or context or situation to kind of, you know, uh, to relate perhaps more to Herod or to others that are in that, you know, crowd uh, being preoccupied with silly things while this dead man, uh, while this man is killed, right? This righteous man. Um, so, uh, but um, I leave that up to them. You know, mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not gonna, um, I've never been run out of a pulpit yet, um, but I've, preach plenty of hard sermons but it's again it's it's trying to get everyone to look in the same direction and just challenge to get and invite yeah. them to challenge themselves without me yeah. having to do it so um and i think if you could lay it out for folks they you know a lot of people will take you up on it so some yeah. more superficial than others but some serious so yeah well, i think that's a good point yeah i like to i like to pose questions yeah. You know, about and what what are the implications and, and where does this lead us and um, well that's professor you know garcia <laughs> that's, that's, that, that's the, the doctor the doctor in the house so pose questions obviously you know contextualize it tell stories about right. you know real people real lives and yeah i mean and i think you know Little songs you're good at that man yeah, a yeah. little a little culture pop culture reference, That's you right. know, a little mm -hmm. punk rock, um, a little whatever. But no, I mean I think it it works when we connect the dots from the different levels that we operate. So not you know I wasn't being dismissive of the personal you know right. in saying oh no it's only political, but right. I think that we can't ignore the political. So I think we can right. connect it at all the levels at the personal, the interpersonal, the social, the political, and then sort of see how actually the gospel is a totalizing force, right? Um, right? We can look at it through every aspect of our lives and our society and then see what is the good news today? What's the message of liberation? Yeah, we can't take, I mean, yeah, a lot of people will take the sting out of this, right? This passage, mm -hmm. um, other than just feeling sorry for John, right? But that's not the, that's not the, that's not the real sting. You know, John probably knew more than anybody where he was headed, no pun mm -hmm. intended. But, uh, you know, um, <laughs> where he was beheaded. 
um, but you know, people can, can like detach themselves from any like punch in, you know, passages like this and just try to turn it into a personal or internal or something, which I think, like you just said, you know, if you, if you completely take the political out of it or the social out of it, I think you're, wa- you're treading in dangerous waters there. It'd be a mistake. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Well, I think uh, this will be a fun one, I think, for preachers yep. and activists to, to deal with this week. And so yeah, hopefully... I think I'm going to try to flesh it out and really connect it to, you know, this like January 6th and just yeah. all this stupid stuff that's flowed from that and from the, you know, the election still, the audit still going on in Arizona and all this stuff. You know, yeah. so what questions are we asking, you yeah. know, while all these stuff while voting rights are being taken away while you know people are being disenfranchised while the democratic party you know standing in cement you know feet and in so it's just like um it feels familiar to this yeah yeah all right friends i think that i think we're we're good aren't what do you think jamie i think so so uh if you like what you heard like us here on facebook uh, follow us on instagram share with your friends uh, we also have podcast uh, version of this, so that comes out every week. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. We would really love it if you share with your friends and put a review. Wow, if you did a review for us, that goes a long way, uh, especially Al- Apple Podcasts. So um, we hope you'll just take a moment to do that. So, uh, But we get a lot out of this. We hope you'll take uh, something that you may have heard today, use it for your own preaching or your own um, kind of uh, protest speeches out in the street or your dinner table conversations with friends and family. Um, But until next week, Francisco, have fun in Asheville. Peace. Peace. Friends.